guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of Wild True Talk. How are you guys doing? So in today's episode, we're going to discuss all things Apple. As on Tuesday, April the 20th, 420, Apple had its spring keynote. So there were a few things that Apple addressed and they have launched three new products. One new new product, very specifically a very new product and two reiterations of products that we've already seen before, but with the sort of Apple twist to it, we're gonna get to it in a bit. And on top of that, after I have recapped basically for you the Apple event, I am going to discuss my feelings and opinions about Apple as a company, as the products, in everything that I can think of. So let's start with wrapping up this keynote. So as I said, there were three new launches and a couple of extra additions, extra new things. Let's kick things off with the iPhone. They have announced a new color for the iPhone. Um, called They call it purple, but for me, it looks more like lavender. But anyways, uh, there is a new color for the iPhone, for the iPhone 12 specifically, uh, purple, available already. Everything that I'm, by the way, everything that I'm mentioning here, these products are already available for pre-order. Actually, they're gonna start pre-ordering next Monday and they will be ready to purchase mid-May. So around next month, or in a couple of weeks or so. So yeah, let's just, Go back to the iPhone. Yeah, it's the iPhone 12 in a new color, purple. I personally call it lavender. It's very, it's a very light purple. But many people were like, okay, that, okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. They started out with that, and then they moved to another product that it's a pretty, it's a not a staple, but it's been around for quite some time. And I'm probably thinking that they're probably starting to think of a new approach for it is the Apple TV, specifically the Apple TV 4K. I think there is only one Apple TV, which is 4K. They have reimagined the remote control. There is no more, there's no that, that they removed that touchpad kind of thing at the top. Now they're like, it's still touch sensitive, the whole like top part of the, um, the top of the remote control. Uh, but it also has some physical buttons with some touch sensors as well so you can for example use that crown that the, um, the, the 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 top crown as a jog so you can like rewind and fast forward things as you would use a dj jog uh for like on dj controllers but that's more of me um but yeah they have just revamped a little bit the apple tv 4k with the new, with the new uh for the for, for the system the new a12 bionic chip but I will open, I will go on a little bit of a tangent here and I th I would say that the Apple TV is a product that's gonna start to fade out pretty soon unless Apple wants to unleash their own smart TV but I don't see the purpose of having a $200 set-top box anymore. So, well, they have it still. If you want it, you can grab it. But anyways, they've just, for the Apple TV, they've just added the A12 Bionic chip as well as reimagining and revamping the remote control. So that's pretty much it for the revamping new 
products that we already know. But now let's get into the new products that they've launched on the spring event. The first one they've launched was AirTag. So what is AirTag? AirTag is basically a the Apple version of a smart tag. What are smart tags? Are those those are those little tags that you can put like on your keys, on your wallet, backpack, whatever. And they have a NFC and GPS sensor. So basically you can track those objects wherever they are through your phone. You pair the, the smart tag with your phone and as well, it will help you if let's say you think you lost your keys, you can see their GPS positions to see that maybe nobody stole them or maybe you are like me, you look everywhere to find your keys and they've always been in the same place where you left them last time you used them. So yeah, <laughs> can be a little bit embarrassing, but, but anyways, um, air tags are these smart tags that of course have, um, Apple technology in it and they use the find my network. So, um, if you've ever used find my, like the find my, uh, Apple device. So it uses that network to communicate and to give us like to give you the positions and stuff. And also with the, um, artificial, uh, sorry, with the, um, AR engine that the, uh, iPhone 12 uses, it, it also gives you more precise information on where the specific tag is. So it, you, it can guide the, your phone can guide you specifically to the, po to, to the position where your product is. So now air tags are available. Of course, as I said, pre-ordering from Monday, ready on shelf in May, they have a one, one air tag for $29 and a four pack for $99, which is actually a pretty standard price compared to smart tags, like let's say tiles, uh, like tile, um, a tile, like a set of tile can set you back a hundred dollars or something. So there's that. And, uh, I, I think it's a fitting product for the whole Apple ecosystem. If you, if you wish, like if you are an entirely Apple, you know, person, so you have pretty much every Apple product that you can think of it's a cool new addition to your, to your collection and it will help you out anyhow, no matter what. And also they've launched a partnership with Hermes, which is a luxury brand. And they have a, um, Apple AirTag Hermes kind of uh, keychain, which is $329, but it is pretty like nonsensical to me, but well, Apple is a luxury brand. So of course, uh, there are people who are going to buy it. That's for sure. So those are air tags, pretty simple. And also a quick note, um, they have user replaceable batteries. So that's a pretty cool features. Finally, Apple is trying to get on the good eye of the European chain of commerce and things like that for, uh, the right to repair, but that's a whole other thing. Now let's move to the big announcement of probably of this um, spring event, which is the brand new iMac. The brand new iMac, which comes in seven different colors and it's crazy thin at sets as 11.6 millimeter millimeters in uh, thickness or thinness, whatever you want to call it. And 
it is powered by the brand new brand new not so brand new anymore but still uh a pretty new platform the apple m1 chip so the imac takes the plunge and switches to apple silicon so what is the story behind the M1? Basically, um, Apple decided that they wanted to take the upper hand also in the semiconductor business. So they ditched the partnership with Intel. And basically, up until last year, all Apple products, Apple computers, so your iMacs, your MacBooks, they were all shipping with Intel processors. Um, Intel processors, and they had a partnership with AMD on the top level of the MacBook Pros for their graphics processing units for their GPUs using some Radeon, some custom Radeon architecture for the graphics cards in the MacBook, in the high tier MacBook Pros. Or on the iMac Pros or uh, on the Mac Pro as well. The, I think the Mac Pro has a Vega 64, an AMD Vega 64. So uh, Intel on the, on the processor side of things and AMD on the GPU side of things, but Apple said that it's not fruitful for them anymore. So they decided to switch to their own architecture, their own semiconductors. So they have come up last year with their first desktop grade, kind of like um, computer grade, let's say, mobile um, mobile chip, a computer grade uh, processor, which is called the M1. And the first products that launched with the M1 were the MacBook Pros and the MacBook Airs. The M1 is a quite odd, let's say, processor for computers, actually, because it uses what it's called a SOC architecture. Um, SOC stands for System on a Chip, which means that the integral parts of the computer, let's say, so the CPU, the RAM, the GPU, they're all basically located inside of one chip. The SOC architecture is mainly used in smartphones because of course, smartphones are crammed or are small. So they have to have a small chip that can pack everything. So the, um, the, the probably the best SOCs, well, nowadays, not counting on the uh, on the M1, the best SOCs at the moment are the Snapdragon, Qualcomm Snapdragon Triple Eight, which is available on any new flagship model of this year, and the Apple um, A12X Bionic chip, which is the processor that runs the iPhone. That runs on the iPhone. I mean, Apple has been using Apple Silicon on their iPhones and iPads for quite some time. So they wanted to entirely switch their um, their products in terms of semiconductors into the Apple side of things. So they launched the M1. And another thing about the M1, apart from the architecture, which is an SOC style architecture, is the fact that the instruction set is completely different from the x86 instruction set that Windows computers use and the uh, normal off-the-shelf processors used like Intel and um, AMDs. So basically a drop is sort of a drawback I would say uh, for the M1 platform is that the it's a sort of like a double-edged sword because for example iPhone applications, iOS and iPadOS applications can now run natively on your Mac 
thanks to the M1 platform, but all the other programs and applications that were based on x86 now have to be rewritten, now have to be, yeah, basically re reprogrammed and rewritten for the M1 instruction set. So for now, the M1 platform uses a sort of translation layer called Rosetta, which translates the x86 instruction set to the M1 chip through emulation. So nowadays, let's say, for example, you have the new MacBook Pro with M1 and you want to run an application like, let's say, um, Ableton Live, which I doubt that it's available on the M1 platform still, the application runs on a uh, emulation layer to your M1 chip that can lose, that can cost you a little bit of performance. But when the applications get translated to the M1 platform, they can become incredibly snappy and they can use less resources. So you can have a slightly less powerful chip, but the response time and the performance in itself, it's still very great from what I could, what I heard. I, I haven't had the opportunity to properly use an M1 powered laptop, like an M1 powered MacBook yet. So we will see. So with the iMac, what's different? It's super thin. It comes with seven colors. It's powered by the M1 platform, which means that it's basically a very, very silent machine. And um, they basically redesigned the whole thing. And the thing is that the laptop is so, th sorry, the, the, the laptop design, it's a, the computer is so thin that they had to put the headphone jack on the side of the machine and not on the back because a normal one eighth, um, uh, one eighth of an inch headphone jack, the 3.5 millimeter headphone jack is 14 millimeters thick. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like, it would pierce through the, um, from front to back. So they had to set it on the side. Also, it comes with four on the base model. It comes with four USB C ports. Two of them are Thunderbolt, but in the higher tier model, all the four ports are support Thunderbolt three. So that can run a six K extra um, external monitor, which is weird because it's an like thinking about it, the M1 is a basically an SOC. So it reminds me of a mobile chip and it can like power and run a 6K external monitor. And you can also do things like they said on the on the event that you can on the iMac on, on the M1 on the iMac, you can run four five five different streams of 4K footage simultaneously in rendering. So it's a pretty hefty task. And apparently the, from what they said, from what they said, the M1 manages that pretty well. And you can also, you can either do that or you can render one stream of 8K footage without losing frames. So that's pretty, pretty extraordinary. Not gonna lie, that's pretty extraordinary. So that was a sort of panoramic view of the new iMac. Of course, pre-ordering starts on Monday, coming to near to you now shopping new in May. Then they've announced on top of that, they ported the M1 chip and they have plopped it into the iPad Pro. That's right. The iPad Pro now, 
the iPad Pro line will now use the M1 platform. So that's insane to me, but it seems a little bit overkill because iPadOS, it's not a heavy system to, to run. So it will be, it's a little bit of an overkill at the moment to have a M1 chip, like a sort of nowadays we can call it the desktop grade Apple silicon, like Apple semiconductor on a, an iPad. Also on top of that, they revamped the screen and they're using what it's called a micro LED liquid retina XDR display. Uh, I don't really know what that means, but it's probably the closest thing, the closest thing that uh, Apple can get to an OLED in-house. So there is that. And it comes with 5G. So now the new iPad Pro supports 5G networking data transfer, whatever. So there is that. Of course, prices are pretty expensive. The iMac starts at $14.99 and the iPad Pro starts at around $12.99, around there. Of course, also the iPad Pro available for pre-purchase next Monday and coming through your door in May. So that was it about the keynote, but now I wanted to take a moment, I would say a few minutes, to talk about my thoughts and my experience with Apple products, because believe it or not, I had the opportunity to have, to use a couple of Apple products, starting with my first owned Apple products, which is the iPod Touch back in 2010. The second generation iPod Touch, when iPod Touches were the thing among youngsters back in the day, because they were iPhones without, they had the, the cool factor of the iPhone without having like a phone. So I remember that I had tons of songs in the in the on the iPod. I had a lot of games. So games back in the day were pretty small. So there was that. I I was very proud of my of my iPod Touch, and it lasted for quite some time actually. Um, well, and also <laughs> back in the day, jailbreaking was a thing. So. I, I had it loaded with different tweaks and many, many things. So it was a very cool time back in the day. And that's where I laid my first steps into, for example, into SSH and into connecting to a Linux, to a Linux server because that's what you needed to do. Actually, you needed to connect your iPod Touch to your computer and then through an SSH client, you had to inject a bunch of code in there. So that was my, those, those were my first step into proper uh, developing kind of like my first encounters, my first encounters with code and Linux sermon on terminals in general. So that was cool. Um, that was my first Apple product. And then fast forward to 2018 for work, I had the chance to use a 2016 MacBook Pro, a 15 inch MacBook Pro with the touch bar. And that machine was very, I felt very, very attached to it. It was a very cool machine, like to be honest. And I loved working with it. Um, very snappy, what I had to do, like being a UX designer back then, what I had to do for what I had to do was a really, really great machine. Uh, so, 
So there's that. But my opinion, like my, my, my thoughts on Apple is that they've always been a... I wouldn't say a fixation to me. Back in the day, yeah, they were sort of a fixation to me. Like the products, the Apple products. Like I wanted to have an iPhone. I remember I wanted to buy myself a MacBook Pro. But then things changed and I decided to stay on the line, like the same of my line and keeping on using Windows machines and uh, Android devices. But it wasn't sort of for choice. But the fact that the, the, the barrier of entry for Apple products is so high, it's that 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 puts puts people off. Like it, it's really unsettling to me to think that now iPhones go for twelve hundred dollars, thirteen hundred dollars. And they have been like Apple has been very controversial uh since six it's been six years or well, since the introduction of the iPhone 7 without, like, with no headphone jack, they have been very controversial. They have started to push the whole wireless, sportless kind of approach, you know. When the iPhone 7 launched and uh, they have announced that there was no headphone jack, people got mad. It was a very controversial decision. But that was because Apple wanted a bigger market. They wanted to push the, the 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 consumers to buy wireless earbuds, their 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 AirPods, their then what became the AirPods Pro, and now they have the AirPods Max. So they have this sort of vision at Apple that we can be the first. No, no, we can. It's it's wrong to say that we can be the first ones to do that, but we can take controversial features maybe removing features and make them an industry standard now that i think about it my 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 phone my daily driver my oneplus 7 pro does not have a headphone jack and i had to buy wireless bluetooth ear earbuds because of it and then now that you think about it now that i think about it you know thinking back it's much more convenient because you don't have, you're not tangled to any wires anymore. So in a way, like they push the industry forward, despite being controversial. And that's a thing that I admire about Apple. And what I also like about Apple is the, well, that's an ultimate thing, but like how each device that Apple makes is integrated within one another. Like their ecosystem, it's the most developed ecosystem ever of any product like the thing is that apple being apple and having control on their software on their and on their hardware they can do that easily you cannot like it's it's borderline impossible to do a android ecosystem it's very very hard because there are like android for for the philosophy that entails you need to be open source. You need to be as marketable as, like, as as most available as possible. I'm lacking of word of words here. So, you need to be the most available platform in the world. Okay, get it. I mean, uh, you they achieved that, but if they want to reach that sort of ecosystem integ- integration level, it's very hard because Google does not have 
an Android compared like an Android version of a Windows operate operating system, and it will be impossible to switch the majority of people from from Windows to Android. Uh, in that case, it will be borderline impossible, so they don't do it, and that means that there needs to be cooperation between multiple parties. Uh, thinking of Google for you know uh, um, for to, to have support for uh, let's say Universal Clipboard, and uh, they need to talk with Microsoft to integrate phone uh, phone features in the in the in the Windows operating systems. Thanks to that, we have a an application on Windows called Your Phone, where you can just like check your messages, see your photos, and things like that. But it's not at the level at the integration that at the same level of integration that Apple has it. You can you can receive phone calls on your iPhone and answer those phone calls on your Mac. That's the thing that I would ever that I love to dream about. If like the integration is so insanely well made that if you if you if you become the ultimate person, like if you if you be if I would be the ultimate, like if I if I were the ultimate, you know. Let's say if I had money to splurge. Let's say that I am a. Let's say that I if I were in a pretty well versed economically position and I had a lot of a lot of disposable income, I would switch everything in my house to be Apple. Apple devices because the integration and the ecosystem is so so tied together that it's sort of like when you get into it then you you sort of like they play on the psychology of the person and they want to to get more so you, you your gateway might be an iPhone and then you're like oh but like I can do this cool thing with like with the I have the iPhone but I can also have like things on Let's say I can work on things on on an iPad or on a MacBook, and then you you, you get convinced yourself like to get those products, and then lo and behold, you end up having every product in your house to be an Apple product. Don't get me wrong; I would never I would never substitute what I have at the moment for an Apple product. For example, I would never I would never trade my my machine that I have right now for an iMac or an iMac Pro because I built this machine for gaming and it's let's say challenging to game properly on a, on an Apple device like on an Apple computer Mac or Pro iMac whatever so I would for casual use I would get an Apple product all day but if I want a game or do sim racing, my Windows machine is the king. Same thing for like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I would get in for the ecosystem, so I can like work on my emails on my iPhone, and then I just like maybe I get an email when, let's say I'm I'm somewhere. Uh, I'm just coming home. I get an email on my iPhone. I keep. I start typing it. Then I sit down on my Mac. I can keep on typing it and send it from there. And um, then I can start. You know, watch. I can start to watch something on my on my Mac. And uh, then I have to go somewhere 
let's say, and I can go back to it on my iPad or I want to watch it on the Apple TV. It's like, that's the thing, like makes makes your life simpler. Except for HomePod, I would not get HomePods because they're kind of freaky in a way. Like they're, they're pretty expensive. But of course, yeah, they tie to the ecosystem pretty well and you don't have the same amount of commands that you can get to you can give to a an Echo, an Amazon Echo or a Google Home. So that's probably the only product that I would not I would rather not buy from Apple. But all the other things like for example, I've been fascinated by the iPad Pro for for um, let's say graphic design because with your with the Apple pencil and your iPad Pro you can just like it's it's a glorified graphical tablet but it's a pretty damn good one to say like not gonna lie it's a pretty damn good one so I would love to start using that as my graphic like I would like to get an iPad Pro for for graphics and things like that but since designing graphics is not my job I don't do that for more like I don't do that for a living it would be a wasted investment in a way. So it makes some sense. So my when I worked with my MacBook Pro, I started to think like, I would like to get an iPhone so I can get like, you know, I can have at least an iPhone so I can have everything connected so I can have my working email. So if they, um, if I need to, let's say if I have like, uh, if I get a mail, I can just like, you know, start typing it on the iPhone and get back on it on the Mac. So that kind of thing but i cannot do it and uh, i don't see myself doing it in a very long time and of course apple being apple and being a luxury brand there's also that sort of like cool factor to take into account that if you have an apple product you're pretty much cooler than the others i mean that was back in the day nowadays it's a it's sort of died down a bit but I do, I do see people like on the streets, and it's sort of like if you have AirPods, for example, you you have your your social status is a little bit more elevated than anyone else. It's a weird thing, at least on my eye, but that's how it is. So, long way to go, Apple. Long way to go. So that was it for today's episode of Wow True Talk. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more, of course, you can just scroll down. I have a few episodes stacked up. So there is that. Yeah, as I said, thank you for listening. And until next time, have a good one.